Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Where we reflect together as a church family how to live in such a way that we are regularly having an encounter with the living God. And I would call it a mystical and supernatural encounter with the God who actually exists. And this encounter with the God who actually exists, for it to be a real encounter, it is ultimately transformational. It's transformative. It changes us. Over the years of living in this way, our characters, who we actually are on the inside, the depths of our thoughts and our emotions and our wills, our very spirits, the Bible refers to this as our hearts, uh, the, the place where we choose, all this is becoming increasingly like the character of Jesus Christ. In the words of Dallas Willard, we are learning how to routinely and easily live as Jesus would live if he were living our lives. We're not just exerting effort in the moment, trying to be what we all know perfectly while we're not. But we are actually becoming someone over years of training whose character is increasingly becoming like the character of Christ. This is the teaching of the Bible, particularly of Jesus and the New Testament writers, that Christ would be formed in us, that we would put on Christ that we we would be transformed into the image of Christ. And one of the ways we cooperate with the transforming work of the Spirit of God is to learn how to encounter God in the midst of our mundane and ordinary normal lives. So the leadership of Oak Hills is dedicated, as you know already, the first two months of this year to pursue these normal kind of mundane daily encounters with God and do this in great depth. And we've been given practices each week to engage in. Today, we are considering how to encounter God through cultivating an inner life with God. And this is going to take some work. In fact, I'm going to need my Bible. Lisa or John, uh, someone want to bring it up here? Oops, not my Bible. It's the one in the view there. Completely forgot. Thank you. Um, how to encounter God through a... Uh, through cultivating this inner life with God. Now, many of us are activists. Okay, uh, I, I know I am. Activists, we like to do things. Uh, we like to accomplish things. In fact, uh, we like to change the world a little bit, our little corner of the world. And that's all really good. In fact, it's wonderful. Activists do indeed affect change in the world. We change the world little ways. We make wrong things right when we're at our best. We fight oppression. We stand up for the marginalized, the vulnerable. We imagine a different world, and we work toward it. And as I said, that's wonderful. And all of us, frankly, we need a bunch of activism to rise up within us because this world is increasingly a mess, and it needs to be changed. And we are indeed called to be agents of this change, cooperating with God in his redemption of this world. But this activism, this, in order for it to be real, for it to make a difference, for it to be infused with Holy Spirit power, it must be born out of a heart that is cultivating an inner life with the God who actually exists. In other words, to work at transforming the world, well, we first must be learning how to be transformed ourselves. We must be experiencing 
this transformation, to be proclaimers of the good news of Christ, we must first be good news ourselves. And all that flows out of a woman or a man or a child who is first and foremost cultivating a rich and authentic and honest and vulnerable and truthful inner life with God. It's got to be real in us first. No pretending, no pretense, no posturing. It has to be real. We have to be people who are increasingly knowing the God who actually exists and being transformed by him. And I really wish if uh, we had some luxurious time, like the entire morning, to spend this whole time just in conversation about this. Imagine it was a, a living room and we were sitting across each other and couches and chairs and dialogue together and learn together and ask questions and respond and tell personal experience, experiences in this. Because it is highly unlikely <coughs> excuse me, that we will get very far in this if it is just one guy up here. Talking to you. Culting, cultivating an inner life with God is not so much something we learn about, uh, like in a classroom or in a lecture hall, but something we do. We have to practice. We have to practice a lot, just like in learning a language. One does not do that by listening to someone for a little half an hour talking about that language or learning how to play the piano or, you know, fielding ground balls. Another baseball illustration. But we only have a half hour, so I'm going to try as best I can to make this as practical as possible. I've got a bunch of stuff to get at, but not enough time to do it, so we're going to play it by ear see how it goes. So for our scripture reading this morning, I'm not asking you to stand up. In fact, I would encourage you to stay seated. In fact, I'm asking you to stay seated. In fact, just get as comfortable as you can. Uh, If you fall asleep, Consider this a gracious gift from God to you uh, this morning, and perhaps learn from this that you may need some sleep. So um, we're going to uh, read, uh, uh, I'm going to read the passage of Scripture, two passages of Scripture, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do during this time. I'm going to ask you to not uh, try to interpret everything, try to explain everything. I just want you to experience uh, God's Word. Um, we somehow, many of us have been trained in a certain way when we read the Bible as uh, we've uh, been taught in, in Western civilization that we take facts that are coming in and we use them to control. We get them systematized and we're able to change the world by them. Uh, and so we think about mastering the Bible or studying the Bible. But in reality, when we come to scriptures, I think a far more appropriate concept is to be mastered by the scriptures, to have the scriptures read us, where we come within our vulnerability, our humility, and ready to be changed. So what I'd like us to do as I read this passage, and I'm going to read it three times, these passages, and they're up there on the screen. You can close your eyes or follow along whenever you whenever you'd like. But to notice if there are words or phrases that pop up to you and stay with you in your mind, if they do stick with them. Some of you, and many of you, in fact, I would say probably the majority of us, uh, have images that come to our mind, feelings, senses uh, that come to our mind when we're reading Scripture. And sometimes we've been told that that's not important to pay attention to. And I'm asking you, pay attention to that. What, what pictures, what images, what scenes come to your mind? And see, let's see together if God is uh, doing something, speaking to us uh, through that. And so as I read, simply pay attention, simply uh, see what words come up, 
And then at the very end of this, I'm going to take, uh, we're going to take like five minutes and have you talk to the person, uh, probably in groups of two at the most three, so we, cause we won't have enough time. And we'll talk about what things we learned, what came out, what, what, what spoke to us. But think of all this in the context of developing an inner life with God. So, please give your attention to the Word of God. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place.
This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so now, take a moment with just two people, at the most three, if you, if you, uh, if you get four, you're really disobeying. Um, and, uh, and just talk about what words came up, what images, what thoughts came in your mind, and just share with each other. Okay, we'll bring it back uh, together at this point. So what, what we have done here in the reading of Scripture in this way is to seek as best as we can to create the kind of fertile soil for us to have an encounter with the God who actually exists. The reason we say that the Bible is inspired is not because they are some, uh, you know, words on a piece of paper that are true. It is because God never leaves it alone. God never leaves His Word alone. He is here with us as we, as uh, we read, as we study, as we place ourselves before Him. Because our desire here is to actually have an encounter with the God who actually exists. And this encounter can be transformative, but it will more often than not challenge us, unsettle us, disturb us, annoy us, and push us towards seeing things that we have not seen before. Now, as I said, I want to make this uh, time as practical as, as we can today. Uh, and I want us to reflect in a very practical, detailed way as much as we can, how we can continue to pursue this inner life with God. How do we learn to spend time with God authentically and honestly and experience this transformation? Because the practices this week will be along the way of uh, spending time, in the area of spending time with God. Uh, but before we get into that in too great detail, I want us to reflect on something that it, I believe is very important for us to to struggle with, to to wrestle with. If we're going to have an authentic encounter with God and cultivate an an inner life with Him. And this may be a a tad bit controversial or mess with some of our minds or annoy some of us. And that's entirely purposeful on my part. And I'm going to use a somewhat popular phrase to help us get into this discussion And that is the spiritual danger of confirmation bias. The spiritual danger of confirmation bias. Now, confirmation bias is, uh, as uh, I'm sure many, if not most of us know, is that very human tendency to go through life and look for information or evidence that confirms what we already believe. Right? I mean, 49er fans are always looking for information to show that their team is all that. And on the converse is that we tend to reject information or evidence that contradicts what we currently believe. This, by the way, is highly understandable. It would be exhausting if every time I met someone from another faith tradition or from another political perspective or someone who wants to argue that the earth is flat or that an electronic strike zone in baseball would be a good thing. It would be exhausting if I had to tear down my belief system and re-examine everything every time I run into somebody who challenges it. The problem comes in, though, when we live in such a way that we never or rarely entertain seriously an idea that contradicts one of ours. I was in a conversation this last weekend uh, with African-American pastors uh, from the inner city of Philadelphia. We flew out to Philadelphia, and it was a conversation on racial righteousness and the systemic injustice and the overt and systemic racism that is a part of our national fabric. 
this uh, group of African-American pastors and white pastors and white denominational leaders and African-American denominational leaders, we spent most of one day in an honest, vulnerable, and candid conversation about race in America. It was an extraordinary time. And the readings we read before and continue to read were challenging and and thought-provoking. The white Christian leaders at this meeting listened carefully to our uh, friends, our African-American Christian leader friends. We were there to learn to understand this world from the perspective of the other. And it was a beautiful time of respect and listening and grace and kindness and, and understanding. The problem came in my experience is when I tried to pass on to others who weren't at that meeting some of the learnings from that experience and some of the readings. With a few of my white Christian leader friends, I was met with the immediate rejection of these ideas. Actually, a complete lack of interest in the readings. A minimalization and a trivialization of the issues. And then a deluge of articles and videos that argued their point of view that they wanted me to study. They disagreed with something before they had even heard the issues intelligently and convincingly presented. This is confirmation bias. We want to believe what we want to believe. This is, of course, going on all the time in our culture. Our political and theological arguments are saturated with it. So are our arguments with our spouses or our friends, family members. Words are just flying back and forth with no effect. They're not heard. In fact, neurological studies have demonstrated conclusively that in most cases in these kind of discussions, no real rational processes are taking place. The synapses of rational thought are not firing. No matter what is said, at the end of whatever discussion, most people are more firmly entrenched in what they believe than they were when they even began the conversation. Until we get to the point now where we call people on the other side idiots. Stupid. Just call them names. Like children in a playground. And we say things on social media that we would never say in person. All that is bad enough. But for our purposes today, this confirmation bias can be spiritually dangerous when it comes to developing an inner life with God. Because we could be meeting with God. We could be reading the Bible. We could be praying And yet, in reality, we may not be encountering the God who is actually there. Because we come, understandably and naturally and unavoidably, with our biases about who God is and how he acts and what he's like. And the danger is that we can have a relationship with our ideas about God, but not God himself. Think of it this way. When any of us say the word God... In a conversation or a prayer. This is not a contentless word. It's a word that carries internally. We pay attention. We we get down to it. Images of God. Ideas we have about God. These ideas may make us think that we are God's favorite child. That he always approves of everything we do. And that he agrees with us on our political and theological beliefs. Others, when they think of God, may think of him as someone who is always disappointed in them. God just kind of has to put up with them because that's the job of God. But he really doesn't like them very much. 
The danger here is that when we have these biases, these inclinations, we will read the scripture, we will pray, we will meditate, we will worship, and we are thinking that we are having a relationship with the God who actually exists. But we're not. We're having a conversation with ourselves. So let me say this a bit provocatively. Our thoughts about God, our ideas of Him, the way we believe He operates, all this is not God. All of this is not God. At best, those thoughts and images and stuff, they are incomplete. At best, they are approximations. But never think that they are the thing itself. Because the thing itself, God, is far more wonderful than any thoughts we have about Him. One of the most helpful thought experiences to spend some time with is to reflect on the thought that nobody in the Bible, that we read about in the Bible or outside of the Bible, actually encounters God and then says, yep, just who I thought you'd be. I was right all along. How about that? God, you're just like me. You vote like me. You have the same political opinions I have, the same theological opinions that go to the same church. Oh, it really feels good to have all my opinions confirmed by you. Yeah, that's really not how it goes, is it? When people meet God, they fall in their faces and they cover their eyes. Job says it this way, My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. In Narnian terms, God is not safe. He's good. But he is not safe. He does not exist to make sure that we feel good about everything we believe. He's not a tame lion. In Christian mystical tradition, there is this experience that is more common than I think people give it credit, called the dark night of the soul. Essentially, this is where God, it appears, removes a sense of his presence from people, particularly people who hunger for a deeper encounter and relationship with God. This removal of the sense of God's presence can cause despair and doubt and depression in some people. But those who have written about these things say that this is a mercy, a severe mercy. It is a purging, as it were, of many of the ideas and beliefs and images we have of God, which are not God. And this creates space, however distressing, eventually to have an encounter with the God who actually exists. There's a prayer that Ignatius of Loyola wrote that every Jesuit priest is supposed to pray, and it continues as part of Christian worship to this day. The prayer goes essentially this. Take, Lord, receive my liberty, my memory, my understanding, my entire will. Take, Lord, receive my liberty, my freedom, my memory, all that I've experienced you to be. My understanding, all the ways I put you in various categories. My liberty, my understanding, my memory, my entire will. And all these have been, uh, I'll leave that part out. Give me only your love and your grace. That's enough for me. Take, Lord, receive my liberty, my memory, my understanding, my entire will. Give me only your love and your grace. That's enough for me. That's how we learn to begin to come to God. Not as a way to get confirmed what we believe and understand, but as a way to be transformed, to be confronted, to be converted. 
to experience the work of God in our lives. This encounter with the God who actually exists is the result of honesty, vulnerability, putting aside the con job that we always are trying to pull off on the rest of the world. We put aside all our image management, all our shame, all our posturing, all our pretending, all our striving, all our sense of not being enough. And we are simply alone with the God who actually exists. And we meet Him on His terms. And this is where repentance takes place. Conversion. Transformation. We do not use Him to bolster our political beliefs or our theological beliefs. When we do this, this borders on blasphemy. Jesus was a troublemaker and a confronter of the political and theological and religious world of His day. He was not appreciated by any of them. God will not allow himself to be used by people to further their agenda. He has his own agenda. And our job is to learn how to align ourselves with his. I spoke to a man recently, a Christian leader, who told me that he hasn't changed a political or theological view in over 40 years of ministry. He said this by way of bragging. He called himself a man of conviction. I call him a man who stopped learning 40 years ago. There's a reason that people have read the Bible their whole life long. They've gone to church their whole life long. They've gone to prayer meetings and retreats and conferences and seminars, but they are essentially still the same person they've always been. No real, authentic, deep-down, supernatural transformation has occurred. And this is, perhaps, often, because when they met with God, They weren't really meeting with God. They were meeting with their ideas about God. Their images of God. God, in their minds, may have been an absent father. Or an absent and uninvolved mother. Or a kind and indulgent grandparent who spoils them and says, Good job. You're right, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Here's some money, go buy yourself something nice. Or a strict and disappointed parent who makes them feel unworthy that they're not enough, always expecting some kind of smack on the side of their head. But God is none of those things. You see, we're here today because we believe in God, right? Or we want to. Or we're wondering about Him. Or we're curious. If there is a God, we want to experience the God who is actually there. Not simply an expression of my self-absorption or an expression of my fears. We want to meet the true God. The God who's really there. So, in order to kind of get at that, I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff. Um, we're, we're going to talk about the practice this week. So you can stick the practices up there. The, and the practice is essentially spend three 15-minute blocks of time with God this week. So it's not a question. It's just do it. So find three times this week, spend 15 minutes, and extra credit, and I would encourage all of you people, uh, particularly some of you teachers' pet who sit up in the front row, the A students here, um, to go for the extra credit and uh, spend one two-hour block of time with God this week. Just just go and do it. Um, when I work with pastors through uh, out uh, North America, one of the things we talk about in terms of a rhythm of their lives is to look at finding two hours a week that we spend with God, one day a month that we spend with God, and one week a year that we just get away and we are encountering the God who actually exists. So let's talk about what to do during that time. 
I think you can begin easily enough, just like what we did uh, with the scripture reading today, to 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 have a passage of scripture. You can use the one we use today. You can pick whatever you want. Stay with it for the three times. Add other passages of scripture, but just read it carefully and thoughtfully, and pay attention to what God might be saying to you. Uh, try as best you can to not start with simply exegeting or or uh, um, interpreting or uh, applying the passage as we've been taught to do. Just simply read it and notice what is happening. Notice the thoughts, the intents, the the, um, the images, the what happens inside you and have a running dialogue with God as you do this. Um, as part of this process, I would make a big deal about confession. Here it may be really helpful to have a journal. Um, where you write down and say what is actually true about you. Now, I'd also recommend that you have a fire nearby and you throw these pieces of paper into the fire. Um, Because if you want to get true, you're not going to want to be passing this around in class. Um, If you're not sure what is actually true about you, then this is where we start. We have to get down to understand what what really ticks inside of me. What are my fears? What are my deepest desires? What's my hunger? What what am I afraid of? Where do I feel not enough, inadequate? Um, Where do I wish God was someone other than who I think he's been? All these kinds of things. And so it takes some time to, to, to write it down. Meeting God is always deeply connected with meeting ourselves. When we go on a retreat or we go and spend some time uh, with God, one of the things we have to learn is that, yes, it's crucial we spend time with God, but we also are spending time with ourselves. We are recognizing, remembering that I exist, that I have a soul, that there is someone here in this living, breathing, desiring, hungry, sinning, fearful person. And with that as well comes uh, then a period of repentance where I acknowledge that I have been going the wrong way. And that I have been thinking things, actually placing the name God after these things and having him be uh, one of the ways, the weight that I put behind my opinions. And again, I think, I think writing it down, if you are fortunate enough to have one of those people in your life with whom you can share everything, actually everything, without it being made all neat and tidy so that people don't think poorly of you, that's a great thing. But I think it's really good to write it down. Um, and again, burn it. Just burn it. So you're not afraid of your kids reading it in 10 years and thinking, what kind of parent were you? Uh, I spoke a couple weeks ago, and one of the questions we asked uh, at the, the All Together Sunday between Christmas and New Year's was, what do you desire? What, what is your hunger? When you get down to your most elemental desire, what is that? And have a conversation with God about that. If you have a two-hour time slot, uh, which is if you, if you uh, are going to do the extra credit thing, um, here, here's what I would encourage. Take 20 minutes of those, of those two hours and simply sit quietly with God. No Bible, no books, no nothing. Just sit there and um, notice. Now, of course, if you do that, you'll have all these crazy thoughts popping into your mind, which is normal. They will 
you'll have arguments with people that you have been fighting with, and you're coming up with these extraordinary arguments, showing them what an idiot they are, and you notice that you get about five minutes into it, and you're having this internal dialogue with someone who's not even there. It's just inside your head. So notice that smile at it. Realize how absurd that is. And then just come back to God again. Uh, one of the ways I do this is using the Jesus prayer, which says essentially, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it just brings me back. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because we're trying to have an encounter with the God who actually exists. See, God cannot have a relationship with the pretend you. Uh, because ultimately that pretend you, that false self, it's just a bundle of protections that we have. Ways to keep ourselves from getting hurt or ways in which we get what we want. So if we're going to spend time with God, we have to start with being bluntly honest. Tell the truth. One of the reasons uh, that it's so important throughout the scripture and through the history of the church to pursue solitude, because solitude is when we um, abstain from other people's presence. And so there's no posturing, no uh, manipulating, no pretending, no trying to uh, manage our image with others. It's just God in us. And it's at that time when we stay there long enough that we begin to be honest, truthful with God about what we really, what's really going on in, inside. In solitude, all the props we use to justify our existence, our uh, intelligence, our hardworking, our, our uh, looks, our jobs, our money, our uh, ability to draw a crowd, whatever it is, all those things are kicked out from us. And we meet God with nothing to hide. Raw, Ugly, vulnerable, truthful. And this is where our inner life with the God who actually exists begins. And now we come back to Scripture and we, we read Scripture in such a way where the Spirit of God comes to us and the Spirit of God is reading us and we are learning how to have that kind of encounter. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, eternal and almighty and beautiful, uh, unexplainable, infinite, way beyond us, triune God. We want to meet you. It's rather boring to just go to prayer and read scriptures and meet ourselves again. We want to meet you. And we know that you will lead us into life, truth, reality. And we know that there is something inside of us that wants to hide from this. And so we pray that in these, this time that we will spend alone with you this week, that you will meet us there and you will draw us more closely into your presence and that in our vulnerability and honesty that you would transform us and help us to grow more deeply into the character of Christ within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming. There's, looks like, uh, steak and uh, chocolate fondue uh, fountain back there. So and enjoy that. And may the peace and the goodness and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.